Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Alright, so we got to get ready for those Astros tonight. Uh, as I record this, it is game six against those Stankies, and I hope we win, or it's going to be a heck of a Sunday. Uh, but as I record this again, it's game six. Tomorrow is game seven as this comes out. Uh, game seven will be starting in just a couple hours, and I'm super excited. It's super stressful. It adds a lot of gray hair on this shaved, almost bald head of mine, but it does add some gray hairs on it, add some gray hairs in my beard. Speaking of beard, I might have to shave it off soon because this week I found out that next week I will be making my straight play debut in The Great Gatsby at my school and a student gets to slap me. I'll be playing Wilson. Why am I putting myself on the stage? Because it's something I and vehemently, that's all folks, vehemently opposed to, but I had a student, one of our leads, failed out of the show, and the only person to replace him is the person that I am replacing, because they're the strongest person to do so, the hardest working kid that's going to be able to put in the time, the short amount of time that we have to memorize lines, and that is just theater, the show must go on, so... The director placed me in there after my recommendation. <clears throat> so if you are down here in the Suge, as they call it, Sugarland area, come out and see The Great Gatsby on Thursday through Saturday, and you'll see a student slap me. And then I, uh, spoiler alert, shoot The Great Gatsby. I hope you've read the book in high school. Anyway, uh, I digress. We also have a haunted house coming up. I, t I like to torture myself. This is going to be a heck of a two weeks. Luckily, again, I got all this content from TETA. This week, I have Eric Campbell from Techland, Techland Houston. Uh, he is the general manager, the boss, the, the, guy that, the, the, the guy that runs the place, the, the captain of the ship, all the other cliches you want to say. And Eric is extremely active in the world of education and that's really why he's so active at TTA he's at he'll be uh you know we'll see him at TTEC we will not see him at thespians this year which by the way thespian registration is now closed I hope everybody got their information in that they wanted to get in and got your students taken care of and counselors took care of those college kids and all that kind of stuff but uh Eric is just a really awesome guy that runs a really awesome company that that has a lot to offer to you guys. And again, they're not, they're not giving me any money. I'm just, I just believe in Techland as a company and as an entity that can help educators all over the country. Clearly they directly help people in Houston because you can show up to their storefront and get lessons from Gino and Jim can help you with your lighting needs. And it's just a really great place. And, uh, I, I can't, I can't say enough about them, but I thought, to be kind to Eric for being so kind to me and letting me record in his booth during TETA, which seems like forever ago, I'd put him on the podcast and have an interview with him, find out why he's helping us, what drives him to help educators, what drives him to have a company that, that puts so much effort into making sure educators have what they need at a good price and what just makes sense too. Uh, the packages that they put together just make sense. All that being said, 
I want you to like the podcast. I see a couple more likes because of that Julio Morales interview that we did. Lots of kids from Sharpstown, lots of uh, administrators and teachers from there supporting him, and I appreciate all that. But uh, put in the likes, Minor Wisdom Pod on, on Twitter, on Instagram, like on Facebook. Just make sure you're leaving a nice five-star review if you don't mind. This week on the Groner Joke, I'm bringing back my daughter, Avalyn Minor to give you the Groner Joke of the Week. How do turtles talk to each other? They use a shell phone. So, um... You know, since I get to do this, and yeah. I can talk for hours and hours and hours, I'll try not to, uh, to talk too much about Techland uh, or too much about Party Boy. Uh, but, um, you know, I guess for me, uh, you know, really, this has been one of those things where as a kid, right, I got, uh, I, you know, my stepdad was a, he was a music minister at church. Okay. And it was a little bitty church in a little town called Aransas Pass, and they had maybe, you know, 50 people in the church. and. Um, he had bought a sound system and couldn't figure it out and didn't have anybody to run it. He wasn't going to pay anybody to do it. Uh, so as a nine-year-old kid, uh, he sat me behind the audio console with the company that sold it to him and trained me on gain structure and wireless mics. Huh. That became my job for you know five years. My job was to sit there and run sound in church. And so as a kid, uh, really early on, um, I just kind of had this sort of developed the passion for... And I became a, an audio engineer later on, became an intern at a recording studio in Houston, and um, that kind of led to me um, schlepping gear in yeah. and out of Fitzgerald's, which was a Houston local. Yeah. Uh, basically when, a, when was that? 94. Okay. And, um, so it was before, I, before my time at Fitz. But I was yeah. carrying gear up and down the steps, yep. and then... Um, the sound well. guy there, who's now Bright Star and Techland's IT company, the sound guy there was a guy named Keith, and uh, he was looking for a night off. He was working six days a week, uh, and he really didn't care who came up there. He just wanted a night off, uh, and he grabbed me one day on the load-in, and uh, because of the internship, he said, hey, you think you can do this? And I was like, absolutely. It's yeah. the coolest gig ever. And they paid me in a bar tab, um, and I got paid you know, a $35 bar tab a night to run sound, and, um, and the rest kind of happened from there. I got hired by um, a company that did uh, nightclubs, and um, that got me into uh, the military, and basically I spent most of my training in both tech and management came from working for a company who basically sold entertainment services to military bases. Sure. They flew me all over the world, and um, we installed nightclubs and officers clubs and bowling alleys and uh, trained DJs and did service calls. and. Um, Somewhere in that transition, uh, we started doing shows for the USO, uh, and we had a we opened up a venue here in Houston because the office was in Houston. And throughout that process, um, you know, when you have a venue, you have all you know bands coming in, and you need stuff. And uh, we were normally renting from a company called LD Systems in Houston, and they didn't have what we need one particular night. And uh, the only company we could find was a company called Bright Star Productions. Uh, which really um, is the parent company of everything that we do now. Yeah. So uh, we called them at the last minute, and um, they came in with all the gear we needed. It was actually a Flaming Lips show, uh, <laughs> and they brought everything we needed. I met them, met the owner, um, and the rest is kind of history. He hired me, and I ran their uh, their production department for about 12 years. 
Um, and then uh, in 2008, uh, Harvey hit the building that we were in. It ripped off the roof of one side of the building, uh, and we just thought, you know, we would probably get a minute amount of money, um, probably not much to do anything with, and as it turns out, somehow we ended up with this massive insurance check. Right. And I had been talking to the owner for a long time about doing a supply store uh, and getting out of the event thing. At the time I had little kids and uh, working every weekend and every holiday and just really wanted to do something different. And so we took the insurance check, uh, we took the area we had and kind of converted it into a store, yeah. uh, and it became Techland. Right. And uh, after that, um, you know, we just, we, I think the, probably, I, I, I always give credit, um, really it was Rod Sheffield, um, and I'd probably have to say, um, I forget his name, over, he was at Bel Air High School for years. Uh, years Paul years. Munson. Paul Munson. Yeah. Um, I think they were looking for another option. Right. Uh, and they had me come to a one-act play competition. I went to one at Magnolia. I'd never seen one before. Didn't know much about them. And I think Rod's purpose there was for me to kind of understand, I think he was trying to communicate with me what the issues were, right. and, and I didn't really understand it. I came from production world, and OAP was not quite the same thing. And um, I just remember sort of sitting in the audience and watching the schools come through and compete, and, and all I remember is he was explaining the seven minutes to me, and the kids are just running cable and running cable <laughs> and running cable, and I thought, man, you know, they're, they're losing all of their time yeah. to run in cable, and that really is where Techland kind of made the switch. We, we went heavy into education, because I knew that in the production world, there were other tools that the, the theater world and education world just had not seen, yeah. and, um, and that's really what started our one-act play kit, which is really what pushed us forward. Uh, but in, from there, it just expanded and expanded and sure. expanded, and you know, we, are, we, are, we are now. Um, you know, and so, um, that's a not a long story short. That's a long story long. No, that was great. About I how mean, I got here. I, I didn't because I did the Fitzgerald thing too, uh, and Keith was there when I started. Uh, I was under Chris Phelps though. So, um, I, I worked with Chris for yeah, a long time. There. So um, she's the first person to train me in lighting with a Par sixty four. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, and I remember hitting the heck out of those bump buttons with yep, the, the old Fresnels. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, but I was there for three years, right before my twenty first birthday. I left. Really. And. Uh, they were very mad at me that I left right before my 21st birthday because they had this plan to just get me probably so drunk that, that I would, That is the you Fitzgerald's know. way. Yeah, um, but I barbacked. You know, yeah. I did, I, I was security at the door for a little bit, days that they didn't need me or days mm -hmm. that they did need me and they were short. Man, I remember Fitzgerald's was 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 a, a long three years of my life, but definitely a great three years of my People life. People so. don't realize the history. Yeah. That came to that building, yeah. Elvis played there. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably one of the most notable venues in Houston yeah. for years and years and years. It was sad when they knocked it down. In fact, uh, there is a local um, rebuilding, restore kind of yeah. place that got all the wood from Fitzgerald. Okay. And so I went over there and I bought like a truckload. Nice. And I still have it sitting in my house and I'm going to try to do something in my house with that wood. But um, what a great place really though when you think about a place to learn under pressure. Yeah. It was always pressurized oh, yeah. there. Um, and, and that was really, you know, we still talk about this with the Bright Star guys. Those of us that came sort of from from that sort of type of atmosphere do much better yeah. um, in shows and pressurized situations where there's not much time and, and you really have to react and be on your game. Well, and the idea of load-in. Like, right. I mean, just that, just that alone toughened you up to be like, 
oh, you need us to get this upstairs, no problem. And then you go to, let's say, the Long Center in Austin, and the load-in is, is like cu cutting hot butter. You know, it's like it's the easiest thing <laughs> in the easiest world. Thing you've ever done. Like, man, I, I could have carried this LED screen up those stairs, no problem. You know. Uh, <laughs> well, and it also, you know, that that played into those 14 and 16-hour days. Yeah. You know, we we have because of our sister company, we have a lot of interns that come through sure. and younger guys, and I just don't see the. It just seems like the generation coming through now can't put in those 14, they literally, 16 hours. Yeah, they, yeah, it's, if it's more than six or eight, they're kind of dialed out and yeah. they're no longer interested and they lose the passion for it. And I remember I'd work yeah. 14 or 16 just so somebody would let me sit behind the console. And you, and you didn't realize it was 14 or 16. Right, because yeah. you loved it. Yeah. Happy to be there. Yeah. Very, very different now. Yeah. Uh, that's starting to change, which is you know, one of the things why I, I talk a lot about, you know, to sort of steer a different direction. but. I really feel like the feeder programs yeah. between the high schools and the middle schools are probably one of the most fundamentally important things that we can do because we're losing the passion. The kids right. don't, nobody's interested in doing theater tech. And and you said before on a podcast, and I think it probably deserves more merit than it got, but the fact that we're not really, there's not enough incentive for yeah. teachers to become technical directors, and that's why they're so hard to find. Yeah. Starting them at a younger age and getting them to really love and grow in technical theater yeah. and we're just not seeing it and it's a bad cycle too because if you don't have a good tech director but you have kids interested in tech now they're walking out of your school on graduation day not really knowing as much as they probably should right even the basics uh stepping into a college now the college has to catch them up um, which is really not their job it's to continue the, the education well not and to... even the stagecraft classes aren't covering yeah. a lot of the learning curve. yeah sure um, you know in stagecraft that's all that's really required, I right. think, now in a BA in theater. Um, there's not enough there. I mean, there's just not enough So where there. do you fit into that? Where where does where does Techland, or even a company like Techland, you know, you've got regional companies across the United States. Techland's not going to be able to get to Seattle as easily right. as, you know. So, but where does Techland fit into the, the education world as, uh, as far as getting out there, getting kids to understand, hey, this is what's, what it entails? Well, you know, without because you know, I could talk about Techland for days and days and days, but, um, you know, I, I think Techland and companies like Techland yeah. um, need to start doing more professional development. The reason why we have this Fine Arts Directors Lounge had very little to do with trying to jump up more contract sales. We'll sure. get those from architects anyway. The idea is to sit with the Fine Arts Directors and try to get the point across that there has to be an emphasis on tech. There has to be a budget, yeah. um, and that professional development is the, if you're not going to get it in the stagecraft class, yeah. the only way we can, and again, the technology, it constantly changes, Sure. so there's a necessity for companies like us to go through and say, okay, you know, here's the new learning curve, here's the new pieces, let's get you familiar with it and get you trained, which really is professional development, I mean, that's what it is. Um, I don't know of a lot of companies um, who've kind of latched on to the professional development thing. Um, but the truth is, it's actually a profitable service that you can sell. Yep. Uh, you guys need it, um, and, and there needs to be more of it. And, and what I hope is that front arts directors become aware that technical theater needs just as much professional development as other professional as development. voice acting. <laughs> but it's a hard sell. It's so, and, hard and sell. I'm a huge believer, and this is an old school thought. Maybe it's somewhat of a, becoming a new school thought organically because you were talking about how it needs technology technology is always changing but i'm one of these people when, when i teach my students um they kind of 
unintentionally get this education, but but I know what I'm doing. I put I sit them down with an old school two scene uh, preset, and it and they don't know how to figure it out. They eventually figure it out, you know, because they've been used to this etc element or an ion right. or something that almost does everything for them. Um, well, and in a different way. Yeah, but 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 and they need to know that technology. Don't get me wrong. But if you are one of these schools that has just an analog board or just a two scene preset, there's a need for that because then it gets you to understand how patching works. Patching uh, gets you to understand for you know your high mids and lows and sound. It's, so you're exactly right. Yeah. We do the same thing with the analog audio consoles yeah. because if you don't understand signal flow and you get on a digital audio yeah. console, you're screwed. You're gonna be lost. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. It really is the best way to do it. And I wish, um, I wish there was an outline, and maybe that's on us. Maybe companies like us need to create some outlines to give to finance directors and directors to be able to work from, because if they don't have that knowledge, yeah. it's hard for them to communicate that to the students. But um, I, I really feel like the professional development thing, you know, there's such a huge shortage sure. of technical directors. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is we're having fine arts directors say to us, hey, listen, I, you know, I have teachers applying for the job that are not technical, but that's the only job we had available, and so that's the one they took. Yeah. And so now that I've got them hired, I need to get them up to speed. Yeah. Um, and so we're, you know, I, I really feel like that's where our role is, yeah. is to say, okay, if you've got a teacher who has no technical background, then we're going to start with 101 classes. And if, if the if the district's willing to invest some money into getting them trained, then we'll begin that process and yeah. we'll get them there. Um, and, and you know we're we're starting to do these sort of five day intensives where we bring groups through and we're pretty much hitting all disciplines of technical theater, yeah. including prop making and makeup, so that if they have zero technical experience, I'm hoping that at least in five days we can get them at a ground some, level. Some basics, yeah. Just so the kids. I was one of those kids. You know, yeah. there's just a lot of kids that don't have anything to dial into. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a great way to make a living. I mean, I love what I do. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think kids, if they were aware that, you know, this is an option, and that really starts with yeah. having a technical director that, you know, can kind of communicate that uh, and, and then express to the kids that there's a future. Yeah. Um, there actually is, you know, a good way to make a living doing this. Yeah. I wish they would pay the technical directors more. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, um, you know, a big issue. but. So where, uh, and I don't want to keep you too much longer because you do have business to take care of, but where, where is Techland 5, 10, 15 years from now? That's a really good question. I didn't imagine that we would be where we are this soon. Tech, Techland is 10 years old this right, year. Right. Um, you know, we, I remember when we first opened the doors, um, the first year that we did $200,000. Mm -hmm. um, Techland is a $4 million company now. And, uh, then I didn't, you know, Four million was not on the horizon, right, right. Um, you know. And so, I, you know, Techland is growing so fast in so many different directions. What I hope is that I, I think what we've tried to do well is communicate. Right. A lot of companies they struggle with the communication. Um, so we're going to grow in different directions. I think that um, obviously the costume thing is a very new thing for yeah. us, and, and our goal for them is to not be um, local. Right. We want them to be a national company and, and that'll start with presence at USITT and things like that. They, you know, we have to put a lot of investment into them to get them to that point. It's nice but that I'm, it's in Houston. It's convenient. <laughs> I'm hoping, well, you know, we're losing costume shops. Yeah, costume yeah. shops are closing oh, down yeah. left and right and 
you know, we're starting this thing called the Costume Co-ops. Really, there's no profit in it for right. us to do that. But it's bringing a lot of these seamstresses who are working out of their houses, yeah. you know, back into a place where they're not having to have, I mean, I, I met with one costumer and um, she had costumes in her car and in her living yeah. room and in the kitchen and I thought, man, there's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah. And um, it sort of brings them back into the fold. You know, we know that we don't have every costume for every show. Right. So we're going to have to really rely on schools who have paid seamstresses to put costumes in their inventory and, and bring those costumes back. But uh, the, the costume thing, we, we've got a long way to go there. It's very new. But, you know, we're really pushing the projects right now. I think um, starting to work more with consultants about looking at things differently. Um, I think for a long time there's just been this sort of copy and paste kind of plan sure. for theaters and redesigns and remodels and I'm not sure that those have been advantageous for making the flow of getting a show done uh, right. And so, you know, it costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time, and, but I think it's worth it for us sure. um, to keep pushing that direction. And so we're going to keep moving there. And so, I, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, five, ten years from now, we should be a company um, that can be able to design, a, you know, a theater, a pack from the ground up, but include all the aspects that are currently being left out. You know, dressing rooms, yes, and, yep. and the fact that the lighting is wrong on the mirrors, and um, all the way from a, what a shop, a scene shop, should be and what it should have. Yeah, um, no one's ever taken the teaks and said because they're so hollow and empty, and said, look, you know, let's reinterpret that as this is the equipment I need. Right. Here's the saws and here's the tools, and you know, it's funny we do these fine arts directors lounge, and I sit with fine arts directors, and I think it's important that, that directors and teachers hear it, but. The fine arts directors get thrown under the bus, you know, all the t they're usually band guys or choir guys, sure. and we sit with them and, and um, you know, we sort of try to articulate about what the needs really are for a show, and they sometimes come back to us and say, you know, people are unhappy because I don't give them this and I don't give them that, but every time I need answers about what is really needed specifically, I don't get it. Right. And I thought, you know, that... My hope is that that will change, but um, I, I really do feel like that our direction at this point um, is sitting down and saying, okay, these things are paramount. They're not an afterthought. Right. They, they really require, in order for you to have a fully functional theater program, these are the things you need to have. And it's not just us trying to, most of the items that we're talking to fine arts directors are not things we sell. Right. They're things that are provided by other contractors. Um, but it's getting them to understand the necessity to really, you know, to promote growth in yep. technical theater. So I hope um, that we continue pushing towards that. I, I think at some point I want to be a resource um, for technical theater from top to bottom. Right. Um, you know, and there's been talk of, you know, maybe someday we'll go into, go into seats and we'll go into um, orchestra pit lifts and covers and I think sure. that's all happening and we'll keep moving that direction. But. Um, I'm really happy with the direction that we're headed, and I'm really happy with the growth. And yeah. I think um, not only regionally and multi-regionally, I think Houston really needed something different. Sure. Uh, we're a big market, uh, and you know there was a there was a need for for somebody to be dialed into educational theater right. and not just theater. Right. Um, they are different worlds. Yep. Uh, and that you know I think there's you know worth it for us to to dive in. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. So once again, I uh, want to thank Eric from Techland. Uh, have I said he's from Techland, from Techland, from Techland, from Techland? Anyway, I want to thank him. It was an honor to just be able to sit in there. Uh, had a couple cups of coffee, and they, they made some nice hors d'oeuvres. So if you want 
to partake in that stuff, you can do it one of two ways. You can either be on the podcast or you can be a fine arts director in the state of Texas. So those are the only two tickets in uh, as far as I was concerned this past TETA. Uh, Speaking of TETA, I did again go around and interview teachers just to find out why they wanted to be there, what they were doing, if how many years they've been there. In this little bit, I got a few few uh, teachers um, from Katie ISD. You'll hear them talking, and one of them is Elizabeth Mace. Elizabeth has been a director at my uh, one of well, I say mine. It's mostly my wife's, and then I'm just there to help. But the summer camp we throw in Fort Bend every summer. Uh, that we've been doing for quite a few years now, for about a decade now. But Elizabeth has come and and helped us with that. So I got to know Elizabeth a little bit through that. But I didn't know she was from Washington, D.C. Spoiler alert, you're going to hear that in a second. And uh, enjoy these few teachers that kind of give you a little insight of why they're at TETA. Hi, my name is Chris, and I teach at Stock Dick Junior High. So is this your first time here? Uh, It's my first time here, yes. What kept you from coming here? Uh, I was not a theater teacher. What were you teaching? Uh, I was a tech teacher at a private school, and I had never even heard about this. A tech teacher like tech theater? Yeah. Oh, so you were a theater teacher. Yeah, but I just didn't have a... Private yeah. schools aren't invited. No, yeah, they're... We don't, we don't well, no. There. Well, they didn't uh, know about... The Brits were like, what? So, right. I didn't come. Uh, and, and so, how long were you teaching before coming here? Three years. Okay. What I was a professional opera stage manager. What? Where? San Francisco Opera, Western Opera Theater, Palm Beach Opera. So you know Chicago. You know yeah, I know okay. nothing. I'm so, new. I was an accountant before. <laughs> I thought I'd just try this on for giggles. So what do you what do you want to get out of this? Classroom this management. Thing? Okay. You knew you. I didn't even finish the question. Yeah, I'm like you I'm knew. here for a very specific reason. Okay. Yeah, so I win. You don't have uh, good friends that have good classroom management. I, can I do, oh, I do, do. Oh, okay. I do. But they're they're like they're like in dribs and drabs. They're like, oh, right. if you do this, then I will right. tell you a little bit more secrets. Yeah, my secret is uh, like cattle prod. A lot of cursing. And <laughs> sarcasm. Sarcasm. Yeah. Mm, excellent. Kids feel very small. Oh, good, good, good. So good. D- there you go. I think you my principal know. will totally. Absolutely. Bye. Um, I'm from Katy, Texas, Westmoreland Junior High. Uh, this is my first year. I've always been the assistant director when I taught high school, but now I'm in junior high. I'm at Brian High and Brian ISD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was hold I was holding the fort down. So now I finally, now that I'm lead director, I can actually a lot of tech and um, different uh, makeup ideas. So. Okay. So what's your what what are you your stage manager? But do you do other tech? I'm a scenic designer by trade. So when I left stage, that's what I did in stage (laughs) management when I had kids touring and and working till 3 a.m. was no longer an option. So I became a scenic designer. That's what I did for three years. Yeah. So I was her scenic designer. I was, I worked randomly in Houston. That's what I did. And I ran a small, I worked for a small like children's theater and I was their production manager. Katie Visual and Performing Arts Center. It's dead now. Uh, So what do you want to do? (laughs) I want to get some tech and some uh, new makeup ideas. Yeah. 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 Uh, Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth Mace. And uh, you are now at? Peyto High School okay. in Katy, Texas. This is not your first year coming here. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Not at all. I don't know. 15, maybe? I do not. Um, I actually am from the East Coast, so I was not here as a okay. student. Okay. Uh, but I did come in college. Where in the, where in the East Coast are you? I'm from D.C. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know you were from D.C. Mm-hmm. Northern Virginia, yeah. Which memorial is the best? I I don't know. I think just the Washington yeah. Memorial. I mean, right? You know, it's it's beautiful. 
and so, so you said you came as a college student, though? I did. Nice. I went to uh, Baylor University, and uh, second bear, Stan Denman. Okay. He's the man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's uh, still around. So. What, what, did, what did you get out of it as a student that you would that, that, that is like similar to what you get out of it as a teacher? Well, I, I think coming as a student inspired me to become a teacher. Well, to be honest, it was like, well, if this doesn't work out, then I'll be a teacher. But I think just being exposed to um, the educational side kind of inspired me. Okay.